So take your Bibles and, and turn to two places. I want you to put your finger in at John chapter 5, okay? And then I want you to put your finger in at, at uh, Matthew chapter 25, okay? Two places. John 5 and Matthew 25. Now, if you don't have a Bible, as usual, what we tell you here at Big Valley Grace is just go into that room right there, the altar room, and we're done, and we'll put a Bible in your hands, okay? We give away lots of Bibles. We want you to have the Word of God on your own. And by the way, welcome to all of you that are watching on, online. We're, we're, we're grateful that you were with us. Now, before I get into either one of those two little sections of, of Scripture, I, I want to lay a, a, a foundation, okay? Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes chapter seven. He said, death is the destiny of every man or every woman. The living should take this to heart. That's what the word of God says. That's what God says. Death, destiny, death is the destiny of every person. So, so while you're alive, you, you ought to take this to heart. And this is exactly what I, I want to do for a moment. I, I want us to take this question to heart. Because Solomon is right. Death is the destiny of every single person. All of us will experience it. It might be because of cancer. It could be because of a heart attack. It could be uh, some other disease. It might be a, a violent crime, a freak accident. I don't know, it's shark week. Maybe it's a shark attack. I don't, I don't know. Maybe old age. I went to a funeral today of an old coach of mine, Coach Erler, and he lived a long, long life. He died old age. And while I was there, I got to see a whole lot of my other coaches. And they're all old. <laughs> Except, I, Coach Hauser, are you in here? Did I see you here? Yeah, right over there's Coach Hauser. You're the only one who didn't get old. Uh, he, he, was, he was also one of my coaches over at, at Davis. But man, it was sure fun to see all all the Burroughs was there, and Lanfear was there, Tory was there. I mean, all these coaches that I certainly looked up to. And some of you maybe will live to be old. But Solomon's right. You're, 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 you're going to die at some point. Doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter what country you live in. Death is the destiny of every man. It's inevitable. Nobody, nobody cheats it. Nobody escapes it. So it makes sense to do what Solomon says. It just kind of makes some sense. Now, those of you that are young, you know, you young guys with all the good, good hair, um, you, don't, you don't think about that. I get it, man. When I was your age and I had hair like that, I was more concerned how I was going to get it to stay up, you know? But there comes a moment when, you know what? You, you ought to give it some thought. You ought, to, you ought to really kind of think about it because no one's, no, no one's going to escape it. Nobody. Now, if you Google what happens when you take your last breath, you get over 350 million search results. 350 million articles on it. Now, I wish I could tell you I read them all. I didn't, but I did read some. And there are some interesting things that are taught that people believe about what happens when you take your last breath. Let me share a couple of them with you. Some people teach that when you die, that's it. There's nothing left. You simply rot in the ground. The worms just kind of, you know, finally get to you when the Pine box, you know, caves in, and that's it. You're just done. By the way, that's a popular one. 
Some people teach that when you die, you come back as something else. You're reincarnated. So if you live a, a, a really great life, like uh, Roger here, our, 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 uh, you know, our global missions pastor, I don't know, you come back as an eagle. If you're like Gordon down here, you come back as, I don't know, cockroach. You come back, you know, <laughs> depending on how you, you, you live, that's how you, you, know, you come back. You know? So if you live good, you come back as something really great. If you don't, I don't know, you come back as something, something else. <laughs> Some people teach that when you die, you become a little god. And you live, you know, forever on, on some distant planet. That's what some people teach. A lot of churches teach that. Some people teach that when you die, you go to a place where you're kind of cleaned up. You're, you're, you're made holy so that you can eventually end up in heaven. Some people might call that purgatory. You don't get to go right to heaven right away. You got to kind of go through, you know, prime shine. And then once you, once you walk out the other end of prime shine, then you're golden. You, 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 you get in kind of a thing. I don't know. Some people teach that when you die, you go into a dreamlike state. And for all of eternity, you know, you just kind of dream happy thoughts. Big, big church teaches that. Some people teach that when you die, everything you've done is basically put onto these cosmic scales. And so all the good things that you've done are on this side, and all the bad things you've ever done are on this side, and depending on which weighs more, oh, I get to go to heaven, woo, up elevator, or uh-oh, down elevator. I mean, it's, so it's all predicated on you working really hard so that somehow the scales go in the right direction. Some people teach that when you die, everybody just goes to hell. I was reading some articles on that. They're really, really happy guys. You know, <laughs> you say, hey, man, you know what? Everybody's just miserable, and when you die, you're going to go to hell, whatever, whatever that is. It was just like, wow, that's weird. And then there were some people teach that when you die, you know, everybody just goes to heaven. And there are some, uh, we would call those universalists, and there are some big-name Christian guys that were in very solid churches like this one, who all of a sudden one day, I don't know, went nuts, and now, you know, it doesn't matter how you live, it doesn't matter, you know, everybody's gonna go, everybody just goes to heaven because God just loves everybody, whether you believe in them or, 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 or not. And obviously there's lots of other things that, that are taught, you know. I, I don't recommend you, you Google it because it, it's just really weird. But my, my thought is this, is that what does the Bible teach? We're, we're followers of Jesus. And I think the key word there is followers. Well, what does he say? What do the scriptures teach? Well, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 25. Okay, you got your finger there. Okay, Matthew chapter 25. And I'll begin in verse 31. It says, but when the Son of Man comes, that's Jesus, when he, when he comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered in his presence. So, so everybody that's died will be gathered in his presence, okay? So imagine this moment, Jesus comes back, he's sitting on his throne, and anybody that's ever died is basically before him. He will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He, he will place the sheep at his right hand and he'll put the goats on his left. This is Jesus talking. He's telling us about what happens when we die. There's gonna come this moment, everybody's gathered in front of him, and now he's separated people. Some he calls sheep, and some he calls goats, okay? It goes on. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation 
of the world. Jump down to verse 41. Then the king, that's Jesus, will turn to those on his left, the goats, and say, away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Look at verse 46. And they, the goats, will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous, the sheep, if you will, will go into eternal life. Beloved, basically what Jesus is saying is in, in, in this particular passage is that when you take your last breath here on planet Earth, one of two things is gonna happen. One of two. You'll either suffer separation from God for all of eternity in hell, or you'll re enjoy celebration with God for all of eternity in heaven. That's basically what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25. You're either gonna suffer separation from God for all of eternity. In other words, you're a goat, and there are obviously going to be goats. Or you're gonna be a sheep, and you're gonna celebrate with God for all of eternity. It's one of those two. That's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 25. One of these two things is gonna happen. Now, now, this is both the greatest good news ever and also the greatest bad news ever. I, I, it's great news if you're a sheep, right? I mean, it, it's really bad news if you're a goat. Now, I want you to look again at verse 46, okay, of Matthew chapter 25. Jesus says, then they... Okay, that, that's the unbelievers, will go away to eternal punishment. That's hell. But the righteous, those are believers, to eternal life. That's heaven. According to Jesus, heaven and hell are real places. Absolutely real. And they're both eternal places. In other words, you and I will spend forever in one of those two places. According to Jesus, not, not me, I'm just reading what Jesus said, but according to him, everybody in this room, everybody watching online, we're gonna spend our eternity in one of those two places. Now, Luke chapter 16 gives us a, a vivid illustration of these two places. It says this, once again, this is Jesus talking. Jesus said, there was a certain rich man who was uh, splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. Now let me just stop right there and say this. There's a lot of people who believe this is just a parable. They're wrong. This isn't a parable. Jesus doesn't say it's a parable. This is not a parable. This is a real story in my opinion. Everybody knew who this rich man was. And everybody knew who Lazarus was. They knew. People knew this, knew, knew, knew about this. As Lazarus lay there in front of this rich guy's house, longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the, the dogs would come and they would lick his open sores. So Jesus is telling the story and people are going, yeah, I've seen that guy. They may not have known his name, but Jesus knew his name. Because the shepherd knows his sheep. He knows the name of his sheep. He knew who this guy was. And so as Jesus is telling the story, I'm sure there were guys who were going, oh, his name is Lazarus, oh yeah. And they knew exactly who the rich guy was. It says, finally the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. Wow. That gives us some insight into one of the roles of angelic beings. In my opinion, when a believer dies, when, when a sheep dies, 
When they take their last breath, wow, whew, man, they go from this sinful planet, this sinful world where everything has been tainted by sin, everything has been tainted by sin, as beautiful as some places are on the globe, and there are some beautiful places, everything's been tainted by sin. Imagine you take your last breath here and bam! Your next breath, you're in glory. You're in a place that's absolutely void of sin. That, let me tell you why I think this little piece of information is given to us. That the angels escorted Lazarus to heaven. I think there's gotta be a moment where the angels go, hey look, as crazy as it is right now, you talking to me. In just a second, you're gonna be in glory with the king. And I just need to get you ready for it. You need to buckle your seatbelt. Get ready. Because it is gonna be like nothing you could ever have dreamed of. And I think part of the angel's role in when a sheep dies is that preparatory period to get you into glory. Because I think that that is, that, I mean, you want to talk about the most amazing moment. You die here, nothing but sin. Bam! Your next breath. I think the angel's role is to get us ready for that moment. But this text goes on. The, the, the poor man died, the rich man also died, and he was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus on his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in anguish in these flames. But Abram said to him, son, remember that during your lifetime, you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing, so now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there's a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Wow, that's vivid, isn't it? By the way, those aren't my words. That's what Jesus said. He gives us this very vivid view of what happens to the sheep and goats. Remember Matthew 25? He separates the sheep and the goats, and the, and the sheep go one way, and the goat, goats go somewhere else. We just got a little vantage point of what Jesus said about that moment, you see. Now, I'd much rather talk about heaven, the good news, and I will in a little bit, but if that's all I talk about, it wouldn't be honest because you wouldn't have the whole picture. In the New Testament, there are about 20 direct references to hell, and of those 20, 12 of them came from the very lips of Jesus himself. In fact, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. Jesus did. And I want to be like Jesus, okay? I don't have a choice. I don't get to go through the scriptures and go, man, I really like that. So that I'm, I'm with you. No, I don't like that one. I don't like that. So I want to talk about that. I can't do that. So let me, talk, let me just take a, a minute here and talk a little bit about hell. Listen to what the great apostle Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. He said, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Talking about God. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of his power. Once again, listen, listen, I didn't write that. The Holy Spirit came upon Paul 
And the Holy Spirit had Paul write that. And by the way, it sounds a little bit like Matthew 25, and it sounds a lot like our, you know, what Jesus talked about with Lazarus and the, and the rich man. See, hell is a, a place of suffering, physical suffering. We saw that in the story of Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man was suffering physically, wasn't he? It's, it's a place of emotional suffering. Several times when Jesus talks about hell, he says it's a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's, it's a place of eternal sadness because those that end up there know exactly why they're there. I mean, forever and ever and ever, they know it's their fault that they're there. It's not Jesus's fault that they're there. It's their choice that they're there. And for all of eternity, they'll <laughs> just kind of live with that. It was their choice. It's a place of relational suffering. People who think hell is going to be some big party don't get the point. Jesus said hell is a place of outer darkness. Relationally, it'll be a place of loneliness. C.S. Lewis said hell is nothing but yourself for all of eternity. And as I thought about that, I, I would have added, it's nothing but you and a me, you know, without a mirror. Because some of us would probably, well, I like that. We like ourselves. But imagine you forever all by yourself with no mirror. And it's a place of spiritual suffering. Paul said they will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. They'll be shut out from the presence of the Lord and the majesty of his power. Look, I've told you this before. The worst part about hell is this. Jesus isn't there. And the Bible says that God is love. And so if Jesus isn't there, if God's not there, then there is no love there. The worst thing about hell, the worst thing about being a goat and ending up in hell is that Jesus is not there. Worst, worst thing about it. Now you need to understand that God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. Second Peter chapter three says, the Lord is not slow in doing what he promised, the way some people understand slowness, but God is being patient with you. He doesn't want anyone to be lost, but wants all people to change their hearts and lives. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. We were made in his image. He came and died on a cross for us. He didn't want anybody to go to hell. As Jesus said in our text in Matthew chapter 25, hell was designed for the, for the, for the demons and for Satan. It's God's heart that nobody would go there. Look, whenever I hear someone say, how can a loving God send someone to hell, right? We've probably all heard it. I know that nobody's ever explained to them that God doesn't send anybody to the hell. In fact, he, he loves you more than you'll ever know. He's done everything he can to keep you out of there. Some of you are here tonight, and it's simply God's grace that you would be here to even hear this message. Which brings us to what Jesus said in John chapter five, which we're in a series going through the book of John together. So everybody turn now to John chapter five. Jesus said this. He said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, they have eternal life. In other words, they're a sheep. If you got a half a cell working, and all of you do, that's pretty clean, isn't it? That's not confusing. Jesus created us, he knows we're but dust. I mean, the message of Christ, the message of salvation is pretty, pretty simple. Now there's a bunch of yahoos out there that try to muddy it up, but it's actually a pretty simple story. Read it again. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me, they have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death, being a goat, spending your eternity apart from him, into life. 
And I assure you that a time is coming, Jesus goes on to say, indeed it's here now when the dead will hear my voice. The voice of the Son of God and those who listen, who hear it, believe it, receive it, they're gonna live. The Father has life in himself and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him, the Son, authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son. Remember Matthew 25? All the nations will be gathered before him. He's making a reference to it right here, isn't he? And they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who continue in evil will rise to experience judgment. That's, that's really powerful. And it's super uh, clear. I mean, super clear. You, you see how these words of Jesus in John 5 go right along with what Jesus said in Matthew 25 and the text that we read in the Gospel of Luke. Now here's what I want to do. I want to make one comment about this passage. Just one. Make one comment about it. But it's a really weighty one. Okay, I was, I was at, at first I had like five points, you know. And I went, no, 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 I had three points. No, no, I got one thing. As I looked at this text, I boiled it down to just one weighty point, one weighty thought, and that is this. What happens after you take your last breath here on planet Earth is determined by what you've done with Jesus Christ before you take that last breath. Okay. Look at verse 24 of the text. I tell you the truth, Jesus said. Those who listen to my message and they believe it. See, it's one thing to listen. Sitting here listening to truth that, that doesn't make you into a sheep. You gotta listen to it and then God in his graciousness opens your ears to the truth. Amen. And then you respond to it. They listen to my message and believe in God who sent me. They, they have eternal life. Those people who listen and believe, they won't, they won't be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Jesus makes it crystal clear here, crystal clear. How you end up, you know, you wanna be a sheep, you wanna be those on the right-hand side of the Lord when he does all the separating, who end up in eternal life for him forever. You wanna end up like Lazarus, where he knows your name. You wanna end up in, in glory, in eternal life, you want to end up there? It has everything to do with Jesus. Amen. Everything to do with him. It has nothing to do with how good you are. It has nothing to do with how much money you got in the bank. It has nothing to do with what political party you're, you, you, know, you, 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 you espouse to. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has nothing to do with this church. Well, I'm a member of Big Valley Grace, big deal. It all hinges on Jesus. which is why all the songs that we sing are all about Jesus. Everything we're doing right now in our children's ministries, is all, it's all about Jesus. The reason why we wanna build a $6 million building isn't because we just need another building. Are you kidding me? We just have a whole bunch of kids here. We, we can't put them anywhere else. There's nowhere to put them. And we wanna disciple them. We wanna reach them. We wanna tell them about Christ. There's nowhere for them to go. 
And it only makes sense, right? Hey, look, when I got married, you know, I had my little apartment. It was a one-bedroom apartment. Hey, it was me, you know, and my wife. And then we had a kid. Guess what? Uh, uh, I guess it worked for a while, the crib in our room. I mean, that worked. But that kid, for whatever reason, kept getting bigger. This is weird. We got We need a bigger place. So we went and got a one-bedroom place. Whew. Now we have the space. Well, guess what? All of a sudden, you got two or three kids. It's like, well, this one-bedroom place really didn't work all that well. We, we need another bedroom for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. Because we want to tell them about Jesus. We want to disciple them in the ways of, of the Lord. Everything we do all revolves around Christ because he, he's the key to the whole thing. Look at verse 26 of John 5. The Father has life in himself, and he, the Father, has granted that same life-giving power to the Pope. Well, it doesn't, doesn't say that, does it? He's given that life to me. No. He's given that life-giving power to only one person, the second person of the Holy Trinity, and that's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the key to what happens when you take your last breath. You either believe in Jesus, who God sent to be your Savior, or you reject Jesus, who God sent to be your Savior. It, it's, it's one of those two things. According to Jesus. You, you, you can argue with me. I don't believe it. That's fine. Your problem is not with me. Your problem is with the clear teaching of the Word of God, and that's okay. You, you can wrestle with that. You, you, that that's, a different, that's a different deal. But the clear teaching of the Word of God is that you either believe in Jesus, who God sent to be your Savior, or you reject Him. And both of those choices come with a consequence, both of them. Rejecting Jesus brings the consequence of separation from God in hell. There's gonna come a moment where he's just, you're, you're, you're what he says is a goat. He's just separate. That's where you go. If you receive Jesus, it brings the consequence of celebration with God in heaven. You see that? Beloved, Jesus is the key. What you do with Jesus while you're alive determines your etern eternal future. If I make the choice on earth to say, God, I receive your son, Jesus Christ, in my life. I want to get closer to you. I want to understand more about you. I want to learn more about you. I want to follow you. I'll spend my eternity with him forever in heaven. But if I make the choice on this earth to say, God, I reject you, and I reject your son, Jesus Christ, I don't want to have any relationship with you. I want to do life on my own. In fact, I don't even believe in you, so, so you stay over there, and I'll stay over here. I don't want to have anything to do with you. If you make that choice here on planet earth, then God says, okay, we'll just make it permanent. And that grieves him, because he doesn't want anybody to spend their eternity apart from him. But if that's what you want, then God says, okay. I guess in this one instance, God's pro-choice. You get to make the choice. And when you make the choice and you take your last breath here, there are consequences either way. Either way. Essentially, I... What I'm saying here is this, is that when you take your last breath here on planet Earth, God treats you as if you were at Burger King, right? You get to have it your way. You don't want me? Okay. We'll just put you over here and we'll just make it permanent. Oh, you do want me. Oh, we'll put you over here and you'll be with me forever. 
Jesus said this to a bunch of religious leaders in uh, verse 39 of, of John. We're, we're not there yet. He says to these religious leaders, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. <laughs> hey, hey guys, you think because you own the Bible, you're going to heaven. You think because you got one of these things on your coffee table, you're going to heaven. You, you think because you've got, you know, the whole Old Testament memorized, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy through Malachi. You, you think that because you got all that memorized, you're going to heaven. You think because you got crosses up in your, you, you, you think that all that means you're going to heaven. You missed the whole point. Look what Jesus says. These are the scriptures that testify about me. The Bible is about me, Jesus says. And you refuse to come to me to have the life. The life is not in this book. I don't worship this book. This book didn't die on a cross for my sins. This book is just the, the tool that God has supernaturally given me that I would know about his son who did come for me. Just because I carry this around doesn't mean I get to go to heaven. Just because I memorize it doesn't mean I get to go to heaven. Just because I can rattle off all the great doctrines of the faith doesn't mean I get to go to heaven. This whole thing was about pointing to Christ. But these religious leaders said, you know what? We don't want Christ. We don't want the life. Here we are 2,000 years later and people are still refusing to come to Jesus. Now the enemy's made sure there's all kinds of crummy churches out there. They'll talk about a lot of spiritual things. I've met a lot of spiritual people Spiritual people don't go, to, don't go to heaven. Only people who know Jesus Christ as their savior, that, that's who goes to heaven. Now, a follower of Christ can be spiritual, but not all spiritual people are going to heaven because it all hinges on Christ. Look at verse 28 of our text. So don't be surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, right? Those are the sheep. And those who have continued to do evil will rise to experience judgment. Those are the goats. Jesus is crystal clear here. Listen, listen. Every single person gets a resurrected body. Everybody. Goats and sheep, everybody is going to get a resurrected body. Everybody. Uh, and let me illustrate it, because I want to make sure you understand this, okay? And I'm going to keep it to its basic level here. I don't, my point isn't to get into all the resurrection stuff. If I die, if I, were, if I were to die right now, this body, the Bible says, is the headquarters of sin, no good dwells in this. This doesn't go to heaven. All this does is link me to the physical. So when I die, boom, I'm on the deal. I don't care what you do with my body. I really don't care. It's, it's just nothing. No good dwells in this thing. Now, the Bible teaches that as soon as I were to die, my spirit, my soul would go be with the Lord right now. This thing's on the ground, dead. It'll start to rot and decay. But I'll be with the Lord. And there's coming a day, Jesus says in our text, when I will have a new resurrected body. There's gonna come a day when my spirit and my body will be, my body is resurrected and my spirit will be reunited with my body. The difference is, is my body won't be a body of sin. Because I'll be in heaven and there's, there's no sin in heaven so God can't allow a sinful body into heaven. So I'm gonna have a new body. I'm gonna talk more about that in a minute. Now let's suppose I didn't know the Lord. I rejected Christ, didn't want anything to do with Christ, and I die. Our, there's my body, it's decaying. But instead of my spirit, my soul going to be with the Lord, it immediately goes to, to hell, to Hades. 
And the Bible teaches that there's coming a moment when I'll get a new body. And that body will be resurrected and my soul and my spirit will be reunited with my resurrected body. But instead of me spending my eternity in this new resurrected body in heaven, this new resurrected body will spend its eternity in the lake of fire. You see, you gotta get a new body if you're gonna spend your eternity in hell. These bodies couldn't handle hell for eternity. These bodies couldn't handle heaven for eternity. Everybody's getting a brand new body. Everybody's gonna be resurrected. The issue is, is what happens after your soul and spirit are you know, reunited with your, with your body. Now I told you I wanted to talk about heaven for a moment, which is obviously you know, way, way different than hell. So what is heaven like? Let me give you a couple thoughts, real, real quick. Number one, heaven is like nothing you could ever imagine. <laughs> okay, probably, probably just should have had one point and that's it. First Corinthians chapter two says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those that love him. God lays it on the great apostle Paul's heart and says, hey look, here's the deal. What I've got prepared for my sheep, what I have prepared for those that have surrendered their lives over to me, let me tell you something. No eye has seen, no ear has heard. There isn't anything you could possibly think of that'll even get close to what I have prepared. Which is why I think you gotta have an angelic, um, you know, uh, kind of host get you there. I wonder in my mind, I was, I was planting some stuff in my yard. I was with some families and I put some flowers together and gave them to some families. And this, this one flower was just really beautiful. It had a, just a deep violet flower to it. And I was looking at it going, this is unbelievable. And then I was thinking, you know what? That thing, as beautiful as it is, has been tainted by sin. I wonder what that plant will look like when I get to heaven and sin hasn't tainted it. I used to be in the jewelry business, 24 karat gold, soft, but you can't see through it. You know why the Bible says that when you get there, the streets are made of gold, but they're clear? Because gold, even at 24 karat, we call that pure gold, has been tainted with sin. And when you get to heaven, the gold there isn't tainted with sin, and so it's like clear. We can't even imagine what it'll be like. You take the best day you've had on earth, the greatest thing that's ever happened to you on this earth, and you multiply it by a million times, and you aren't even gonna be close to what heaven's gonna be like. Can't. Number, no, number two, heaven is where God is. In Revelation chapter 21, it says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now God's presence is with people, and he will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he will be their God. I mean, this is just gonna be an unbelievable moment when we're in the very presence of God in a, a different way than we experience his presence today because we do experience his presence. I understand that. The third thing I'll share with you is this, is that heaven is gonna be a place of celebration. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death, no more sadness, crying, pain, because all the old ways are gone. Imagine, no more death, no more sadness, no more crying, no more pain, no more depression, no more cancer, no more hospitals, no more funerals, no more pollution, no more hurricanes, no more earthquakes. Everything is perfect, absolutely perfect. No more sin, no more old nature, no more devil, no more demons. Listen, the only only word I could come up with is, man, you want to talk about a party. Just nothing. It's just going to be this unbelievable place of celebration. We'll worship in heaven. We'll work in heaven. We'll fellowship in heaven. We'll have relationships in heaven. We'll rest in heaven. We'll have fun in heaven. We'll be perfect in heaven. And we'll party in heaven. Now here's the deal, the devil wants you to think that you know, we're, all we're gonna do is just sit up there on a cloud you know, and play a harp or something. 
And I want you to know, if that's what heaven was, I don't want to go. Guy like me with ADD, sitting on a harp all day long or sitting on a cloud playing a harp, are you kidding me? That sounds like hell. I don't want to sit on a cloud and play a harp for more than about two minutes. And then when two minutes are up, I want to do something else. And heaven's going to be this unbelievable place, a great place of celebration. As I wrap this up, let me give you two things that you can do now today to prepare for, for death or to prepare to have a great celebration. A lot of people spend a lot of time preparing for retirement, right? And you should. And retirement might last 10 or maybe 20 or maybe 30 years, maybe 40 years. You ought to spend some time thinking about your retirement. It's a long time, 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Don't you think you ought to prepare for eternity? I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll spend all this time meeting with accountants and all kinds of things trying to figure out what we're going to do in the next 20 years, right? Well, how about eternity? And here's the most important thing you can do to prepare for eternity. Put your eternal future in the hands of Jesus Christ. Amen. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life. It's God. God. God's the one who gave us eternal life. And this life that he gave us is in his son. Well, that, that, that's what Jesus said in our text in John 5, right? He who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son of God does not have the life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God so that you may Know that you have eternal life. It's all about Jesus. In Jesus is the life. If you have Jesus, then you got the life. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have the life. You're a goat. That's all I can tell you. Once again, it's all about what you've done with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus Christ died for us that we might live together with him. Remember what Solomon said, death is the destiny of every man. In other words, everybody, you know, everybody's going to die. No one gets to cheat it. But those that have given their lives to Christ will live with him forever eternally. Now here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up. Everybody stand up. And uh, can we put that verse on the screen? Can we do that? Verse uh, 24. This is what I like to do. I got one more point. Then we're going to meet out there, those of you that are new and you want to see the building. I'll answer questions. Or we're going to go out and eat food. We just, we just ate a great meal in here, a spiritual meal. And now we're going to go eat physically, physical food. We're going to hang out. We're going to do that. But before we move on, let's say this verse out loud together. Okay, so here we go, one, two, three. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. Amen. Amen. I guarantee if I took that into our, you know, five-year-olds and six-year-olds, they would get it. And it could be that maybe God has opened up the eyes of some of you in here. And for the first time, you go, I get it. You came in here, and frankly, you would have never considered yourself a goat. I, I never did. But I was a goat for a long time. And then there came a moment when God... It's gracious, he opened my eyes to truth. And I understood that. And maybe there are some of you here and you're going, man, I, I get it. And you don't want to walk out of here a goat. You want to walk out of here a sheep. And this is all I want you to do here in a minute. That some of our elders and, 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 and uh, are here and some of our spiritual leaders are here and we're going to be in the altar room. 
don't come out and look at the building. That's where I got to go. Don't go out there. There's Mark Clatterline back there and his wife, and Mark Clements is up there, and I don't know if Tammy's up there, but I see Mark, and, and some of our spiritual leaders are going to be in there. And just go in and go, man, I, I don't want to be a goat, man. I want to give my life to Christ, and we, we'd love to pray with you, okay? But there is a second thing, just real, real quick. I told you I want to give you two things on how you can prepare. And the second thing is this, is invest your earthly life in God's eternal kingdom work. You see, I'm a sheep. I haven't got to heaven yet. This room primarily is filled with sheep. I think there might be one or two of you that are goats, and tonight you're going to become a sheep. And so here we are, sheep. What do we do? Well, we already know we're going to heaven. We've already given our lives to Christ. And so well, what's our role in this? Our role is to invest our earthly life in God's eternal kingdom work. The honeycuts, leaving, you know, the, the beauty of the United States of America and all the laws and privileges and all the great stuff we have to go to a place that most of us couldn't find on a map. To say, you know what, they need Christ too. There are goats everywhere you go. In fact, where they work, a lot of goats. Very few sheep. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. And so if God has been gracious to you and he's opened your eyes to truth, he's opened your eyes to the reality of sin and its implication in your life, and you've invited him into your life, you, you now know him. Wow. We now have a huge responsibility to now invest our lives, invest our resources, our wealth, our time, or whatever it might be in kingdom work. And that might be the decision you, you need to, to make here. Is, man, I gotta get off the dime here and do something with my one life. So Father, thank you, Lord, for uh, this study in the book of John. There's just some really, really great stuff in here. Just really easy little vignettes, little stories that you tell that are just loaded. They're just pregnant with truth. And there's no way to unpack it all, but I hope tonight, Lord, the believers were encouraged and they understand how beautiful you are and how central you are to the faith. And for those that are here, Lord, maybe they came in and they don't know you. Maybe, maybe you'd give them the courage just to go into a room and sit down and in peace just have a conversation with somebody. And maybe tonight would be a life-changing night for them. Thanks for all the food that we have out there, out under the sails, and that's just gonna be great out there. I'm thankful for our children's ministry. And for those, God, that are new and they'd like to see the building or have me answer questions, I look forward to meeting them. And I pray these things in your name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you, okay? Live for Christ.